Well, it's good news today. We're starting today just a two-part series. Two-part series meetings I'll, I'll minister along these lines next week as well as today. So uh, don't miss next week. You know, if you miss it, go in and get a hold of the, uh, go in and get a hold of the, um, uh, the, uh, the download. The new website's got a fairly easy to navigate download and you can just download it, uh, listen to it online if you're sitting near your computer uh, or your laptop or you can just uh, drop it down. But, um, uh, you know, the thing is, is that uh, those moments when you get one bit, look out for the next bit, all right? Look out for the next bit because there's further truth that you can add to what you've already heard. So uh, that uh, new series we're starting today is The Good Fight of Faith. How many of you know that's the one you win? The good fight of faith is the one you win. And we're going to be talking about uh, uh, making sure that we win the fights that we get into, the fights of faith. You know, we ought to see from Scripture uh, is that getting our faith out to work is a lifestyle that every single one of us is called to. Every single one of us is called to get our faith out to work for us. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Some of it you heard before, but you know what? We need to get into it again today. Who would like a faith lift today? Anyone come to church for, oh, I went to church and got a faith lift, you know. <laughs> Say, so, oh, can I come too? Yeah, sure, come along. Invite other people to come and get a faith lift, you know, because we, we so often just need that little further injection into our, into our faith. And uh, most would know the story where Jesus and his disciples are taking a boat trip and, uh, uh, you know, they're out there in the... Uh, I, I, look, to be honest, I didn't look, but I might ask the Israel experts, where was it that Jesus went on that boat ride and he slept in the boat? The Sea of Galilee. I thought it was, but I, I, I just saw that and I thought, oh, I didn't check that. No, it wasn't the Red Sea, no, it's the Sea of Galilee. And of course, they, they encountered a storm and uh, Jesus was sleeping through the storm. And, uh, and of course, the disciples became fearful as the waves got bigger and bigger. It no longer was fun and a bit of a thrill to be out on the, you know, oh, wasn't this fun, you know? Oh. And, uh, and of course, they woke Jesus up. And, and, and we're fearful. And, of course, when he had stilled the storm, he puts it back on them and asks them, where is your faith? And uh, how many of you know the disciples were inexperienced in the use of their faith? And Jesus was encouraging them to say, where is your faith? You'll find throughout Scripture, uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus encouraging uh, the disciples to use their faith. In other words, you get up and start walking like this. You get up and start living like this. Because we're called to, amen? We're called to live this way. And, um, and of course, the idea is, so, so uh, as we saw with the disciples, fear got in, in the boat as well. And, uh, and fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. You know when you're not in faith, when you're in fear. And uh, I, I remember the days as a kid, uh, being a Perth kid, um, going over to Rottenest Island. Who remembers the Rotten Island trips as a kid growing up? Can I get a few hands here this morning? I got one, two, I got three. Okay, the Rottenest Islander. Who remembers the Rottenest Islander? 
that was the boat that left Barrack Street Jetty. And, um, and of course, uh, we would go on our school holidays quite often uh, as I was growing up and, and enjoy some, some time over on uh, Rottnest Island. Uh, Cottage A was our favourite. I still remember where it is. It's still there. The last time I was over there, I noticed that Cottage A was still there. But I remember <clears throat> one time, it was like a long weekend, and we left Barrack Street Jetty, you know, and you go out via... Uh, via the um, uh, uh, Fremantle, you go down the river and up out Fremantle and you head straight across to Rottnest Island. I believe it's about 11 kilometres or 11 miles, I can't remember which, but not that far. But when you're in an old uh, thing called the Rottnest Island, it took a little while to get there. And uh, it was not one of these speedboats that they've got now. But I remember leaving there, I must have been all of nine years old, uh, leaving. Uh, and, and of course, the weather was a little bit cloudy that day. And of course, uh, as we got out past Fremantle and started heading, heading across to, to Rottnest, you know, the waves were up and, and uh, I remember we were sitting down the front of the boat and of course every time, the, you know, the way we went up over a wave, you know, we were up and down and my, and my brother and I were standing there sort of having a little bit of fun at first and then the waves got a little bigger and a little bigger and next thing you know, we're going over this like, whoo, like this and we, we're still having fun, we think, <laughs> until... Things turned dramatically because my brother lost his footing. It was like it went down and then went up too quickly and he went up in the air, landed on the ground and, uh, and of course, on the old Rottnest Islander, there was like these steel, you know, just cables that were at the front and, of course, you could just slip straight under and my dad reached over and grabbed my, my brother, pulled him back to his feet. He must have been 11. I would have been about nine. Pulled him back to the seat and now it's getting hairy. All the water's over on the front of the boat. People are being sick everywhere. And, uh, and, and, and of course, we're not there yet. <laughs> you know, we're not there yet. And it's getting worse. And, uh, and of course, in the middle of the trip, uh, I somehow was allowed to go and just say, Dad, I want to go downstairs. I want to go under. I want to go downstairs and beat, you know, because I was really getting scared. So somehow I managed to uh, get the permission to go. So I'm hanging on the rail as these, you know, waves and this water just coming over the boat. And, and I bumped into the captain. He was coming out a door. And uh, I was so glad to see the captain, you know, the captain of the ship. He comes out and he's got his wet raincoat and he's up and down and checking on, checking on the passengers. And I remember I was unafraid. I grabbed that captain by, the sh by his very shirt front and I said, turn the boat around. <laughs> In the storm, I thought I knew what should happen. You know, in the storm, I wanted to, you know, him to turn around. This isn't good. We need to go home. And, uh, and, of course, I said, I said, we've got to go back. And, and this is what, you know, the, the captain sort of saw my, saw my fear and everything, and he said, no, no, we can't turn around. If we turn around, the boat will capsize. He told me that straight. If we turn around, so in other words, there's no going back. And sometimes that's what it's like in our walk with the Lord. There is no going back. You know, there's no turning around and going back. It's just disaster if we go back. We've got to keep going. Keep going in our Christian walk. And, uh, you know, how many of you know that was a fear response from me? A fear response. Uh, fear is sometimes spelt by some as F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. 
And, uh, you know, my false evidence was those, those waves coming up over the boat. But, you know, I'm in good company. The disciples were scared too, to the point where they woke Jesus. But the truth is, in our day and age, you know what we need to do is not wake Jesus. We need to actually use our faith to get through the storm, to get through to the other side, to get through to where we're called to go to. Every single one of us in, in here this morning are called in such a way. We're going to be Christians in this day and age. We have to be a people that use our faith, amen, and not be moved by our fear. You know, faith would have been confident about the outcome, no matter how it looks, because that's what faith does. Faith sees the outcome, sees the, the end result. And, um, you know, we all go through the storms of life, don't we? We all have storms to go through, to, to make our passage through. And uh, God calls us all to get our faith out to work. Because the last thing you want in a storm situation is to have no faith out there. No faith at work for you. That's the last thing you want. And some go running up to God like a nine-year-old boy wanting to have God turn the boat around. <laughs> you know, turn this around. This isn't going good. You know? And of course, that's just our perspective. It's not his. He wants us to trust in him deeply in the midst of it. And um, we need to be able to, in those moments, go and find the rest of faith. Because faith has a rest to it. When you, when you get to the place of, of faith, you're in rest. Because you know what the outcome is. You know. And of course, if we can get our faith out to work, we can have the rest that we're called to. Amen. Hebrews 6, uh, verse 11 to 12, and it says this, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. A well-known verse, well-known scriptures to us in this church. Uh, we are a people that, uh, that understand these scriptures and actually speak them and know that it's through faith and patience. It's the power twins of faith and patience. What faith have you got out there? Make sure you're patient with it. Make sure it stays out there. Don't bring it back in again. Don't try and turn the boat around. You know, once we've received the promise of salvation, believed in our heart and then confessed Jesus as our Lord and Saviour with our mouth, Romans 10, 9 and 10, you can read it for yourself. It's how we get saved. Remember, that's how it works. When we first get saved, we believed in our heart, we confessed with our mouth. Usually down at the front, an altar call or a friend, a dear friend or a relative or a work friend led us to Jesus by saying, you need to say this prayer, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will, you will be saved. Amen. But that's how it works, our faith works, doesn't it? Once we've received the gift, that gift of eternal life, we're to live this, this, this life that we're living now by faith, by receiving God's promises. It's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. So the problem with many in this walk is sometimes they falter in their faith. They falter in getting their faith out there correctly. Jesus expects us to use our faith uh, not just by resting in the storm or by our being patient. He wants us to be active in assigning tasks for our faith. He wants us to be active in assigning our, 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 our faith tasks. 
All right, and we'll, I'll, we'll bring this out. I'll just uh, bring this out a little bit more understanding. Our faith is sent out to work through our believing and through our speaking. All right, let's see this in context in uh, Luke chapter 17. Jesus actually teaches his disciples that, and faith is the context, all right? They've asked, they've asked uh, uh, Jesus to increase our faith. They're saying, Jesus, lay hands on us, impart faith to us. And, of course, Jesus has an, has an answer, and, uh, and, of course, it's not according to how they think it's going to go. How many times does that happen? <laughs> all the time, you know. We think it's going to happen a certain way. We know how this is going to work, and we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to align ourselves, and this is how it's going to happen, and it doesn't happen that way. Amen. And so God wants us to be a people that don't uh, uh, put God in a box on how it's going to work, but rather surrender. Be a people that just surrender to how he's going to get this to work. But he does want us to speak his word. He does want us to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths and live a lifestyle of faith. And Jesus uh, answers their question. And let's just pay attention in Luke chapter 17, verse 5 to 6. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Uh, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. So we're talking about something that would be very, very difficult to do, to pull a mulberry tree out by the roots and toss it into the sea. But he said, if you, if, if you have faith, you can do things like that. If you have faith. And, it says, and he said, and it would obey you. Faith that works for you is always about the quality of it, not the quantity of it. They're saying, increase our faith. You want to have, oh, you know, we need more faith. And he says, no, you need more quality faith. It's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. If you have faith as a mustard seed, what is a mustard seed made up of? All mustard. Even the tiniest little seed is 100% mustard. God wants us to be a people that are 100% faith. Not mixing it in with a little bit of doubt, a little bit of unbelief. Oh, that's all right. Oh, I said the wrong thing here. I, 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 I you know, made a bad confession here and there. Uh, uh, just said how it was rather than how I believe it should be. Uh, he doesn't want it mixed up. He wants 100% faith. Mustard seed faith is about 100% faith. Amen. And Jesus goes on in verse 7. And verse 8 and says, And which of you, having a servant... Now, this is about getting your faith out to work for you. And which of you, having a servant, ploughing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink. That's a rather unusual little passage there. But you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying our faith is like a servant that we send out to work for us. Just like you had one. Just like you had someone maybe in your employment. And, you know, uh, you, you're, you're, you're setting them tasks. I want you to go out in the field. I want you to work all day. Come in at 6 o'clock. Um, and, of course, uh, when you come in at 6 o'clock, I want you to cook the meal. These are tasks. Our faith should be like the thing that we send out on task. My question to you today is... What word, what scripture, what verse are you standing on that you have sent out like a task? You've believed in your heart, you've confessed with your mouth, you've sent it out as a task. Which ones? Have you got a few? 
because you can have a few tasks going on at the same time. You know, I, um, as a young uh, man, went out and worked uh, out in the wheat. Um, it was only, only wheat. I would say wheat in sheep, but it wasn't. It was just wheat. And uh, my boss would set me tasks for the whole day. He would say, you have to be up at five and, uh, and out on the paddock by six. First task, get out on the paddock. And I wasn't used to getting up at five and being doing anything at six, you know. But he would set me that task. And then after that, it was, I want you to work until 10 o'clock and we'll come out and bring you morning tea. And then after morning tea, I want you to work from morning tea until one o'clock and we'll bring out, in the ute, we'll bring out. And, and so I had tasks set for me all day long. And when I came uh, uh, in at night, it wasn't just lay on the bed and relax. It was get the copper going because we need to heat up the water so we're going to have a hot bath. So we had all these tasks set for me. And it's like that in our own lives. Our faith should be set as tasks to send out and, of course, like a servant, work for us. He's saying your faith will work for you. Get it to work, I say. Get it to work. Jesus then said, um, um, our, our, you know, by sending out our faith to work, it, it will uh, be serving us until we say, no, not needed anymore. That's how we need to approach faith. Amen. The Apostle Paul taught faith as an attitude, not just as a means to our new conversion experience or as a religious observation to maintain, uh, you know, until we gain eternal life. He didn't, he didn't do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, I love the scripture, and it says, in keep, wrong one, oh, okay, there we go. And in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore, I have spoken. He, uh, we who have the spirit of faith also believe and therefore speak. We believe and we speak. That's your faith going out to work for you. Right there. The spirit of faith is the ongoing attitude in which we believe God's word and speak God's word. It's that saying it and praying it, decreeing it and declaring it, no matter how it feels, no matter how it looks. You know, you can have false evidence appearing real that you've got to say, I believe what the Word of God says. And you know, when someone asks you, how are you? That's an opportunity to go with one or the other. You know, that's an opportunity right there to let your servant go out and work for you. Amen. And you can call him back in again and just get him to sit down again with, a, with the wrong thing said. He can just be sitting back down again, not working at all for you with the wrong, said, uh, the wrong thing said. How many promises from God in the word of God are you standing on currently? You'll know because you should be able to quote those verses and, and recite them. You should be able to. Speak the word, pray that word and give the Lord thanks for it coming to pass. That's where patience comes in. That's where it comes in. That's how faith is to work. We're to be confident in our faith going to work on our behalf. Faith has been defined as confident expectation. Amen? So if you've got faith, you've got a confident expectation of an outcome. All right? So... I'm sorry, the days of blaming 
excuses, reasons why that didn't work. You can spend all your time doing there if it means saving face, but I'm not interested in saving face. I want some grace. And grace is received by faith. God calls us to live according to grace and we receive it by faith. It's not wishing or just hoping. It's confident expectation. And we release that confident expectation with our praying and our saying like a servant going out to work for us. Come on, let's put this together this morning. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 to 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything. Say anything. According to his will, he hears us. Wow, I'm so glad he's hearing us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have. Say have. Have the petitions that we asked of him. We have them. Well, as some people say, and many believers have said for probably the last couple of thousand years, but where is it? I prayed two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And you get some that say, I've been praying for years, you know. Where is it? Well, it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. Stop letting your servant come in from the paddock. Okay? Stop doing that. And you do the minute you lose patience. You do the minute you let go of that confession and start to, oh, I don't know if that's going to, that prayer is going to be answered. You know, It doesn't look like it. I've got every reason to stop believing that. And I'm saying, get your faith back out in the paddock. I know when I was working for that farmer, it was out in the Holloton district. It was new, new ground. And I tell you, talk about torture. The work was torture. He'd send me out in the morning to go and make stacks of mallee roots. Anyone that's worked in the farming industry, making stacks of mallee roots is just your life, you know, particularly new land. I'd go out and I'd make stacks. And I did that for about six weeks. And then he said, all right, see that truck over there? Go and pick up all those stacks. You know, it's like, (laughs) six, don't come back until sunset, you know. And it's like, but if I came in, he'd send me back out again. You know, and he never gave up on his vision, and that was to have more acres to sow wheat into. He never gave up on his vision, and he kept on sending me out to fulfill it. Amen. Faith is the worker that doesn't need a rest break. (laughs) Well, morning tea and lunch, but that's it. You know, you're out there, you know. What do you need? Here's my question What do you need this morning? A, A rental? Doesn't look good, does it, at the moment? Don't go on what you can see. Go on what you're believing, what you're praying. A job? You need a job at the moment? A wife? A husband? You know, believing for a a circumstance to change? I tell you, God changes things. I prayed and Rosemary, and she's not here this morning, God bless her. She's, she's, um, uh, uh, well, she, <laughs> she's, she's um, recovering. But, you know, I prayed for Rosemary and two weeks she was in my life. But I had to lay some things down. Uh, I had to surrender, actually. I had to surrender all the wrong things I was doing. I say, well, how wrong were those things that you were doing? Well, if you want the detail, all right, the wrong things that I was doing was I was looking for a wife. And that was the problem. 
So any Christian meeting, I'd be <laughs> looking, looking and looking and, of course, using my judgment. And that's where I went wrong. See, I had to surrender that and to lay that down and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to do that anymore. Two weeks later, me and Rosemary are on the phone. This is the day before mobile, this is the days before mobile phones, but she knew my number. She rang me. And once I found out her number, I was ringing her and we were on the phone. We were back and forth and, you know. And the funny thing was is that before that encounter with her, and I said, prayer changes things. If you need a wife, start to say, Lord, I know you've got her out there for me. And that's how I prayed. I said, Lord, if you, I know that you've got the right one for me. And not only that, but I put down a, I put down a bit of an order. I said, I'd like her to be this and that and, you know, family. I put an order out there and then sent my servant out to work. Got my faith out there. And honestly, two weeks later. And the funny thing was, and you can joke about it as too, she didn't really like me. <laughs> That's the funny bit. And, and we joke about that now. I says, you remember when you didn't like me? <laughs> you know, 30 years later, 35 or 36 years later. Remember when you didn't like me? She literally, if she saw my car at someone's house, she'd keep driving. <laughs> God can change things, you see. And, uh, and of course, that was, uh, that's just a part of our testimony, but our faith needs to be out there work. I've learned how to surrender to God and just pray and put his word out. The Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. And that was, I think that was a scripture that I was standing on. It's, you say, Lord, in your word, it's not good for a man to be alone. So I'm praying that way. And I've got his word, I've got his promise, and it's out there working for me. When Jesus asks you, where is your faith? Our answer should be outworking. Amen. Because we've believed in our heart, we've confessed with our mouth, we're saying what he says, we've got the promises that we're standing on, and we're just sticking with it. Not looking to sort of say, you know, what if I'd given up a week later? It didn't take a week, it took two weeks. But I didn't give up in two weeks. I was just looking and just standing on that. I knew it was God that was saying, just believe me, just believe, just surrender. Your ways aren't working. You see, we can be one of two people, the one that tries to solve the impossible problem by our own ability or just, you know, uh, gives in to just the way it's going. Oh, well, that's just the way it is for me. Sort of a fatalism. Uh, or, you know, our natural ability. Or we can be the one that gets God's supernatural ability on the job, out in the paddock. We need to be that people that are ready to receive and apply the word of God with gladness. A couple more scriptures before we finish today. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And it says, now, it happened as they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at uh, Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You've got to understand, Martha had uh, just uh, not only 12 people, 13 including Jesus, plus the 70 disciples all turn up at her house. And she's getting a little distracted by who's cooking lunch? Who's going to set the table? You know, we need more potatoes. Who's going to run down to the well and get some more water? He's, you know, 
Martha's got all this going on in her mind. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. You know, Mary's down on the front row. She's riveted at the words of Jesus. And of course, um, Martha's got all these people and she's leaning on her own understanding. That's what we do. We lean on our understanding and guess who comes in from the paddock? As soon as we start to lean on our own understanding. Someone should be kneading the dough, Martha's thinking. You know, all of our thoughts, all, all, all of the thoughts going through her head have got nothing to do with listening to the word and giving attention to the word. But all the things that are going wrong, all the things that should have been fixed by now, and I don't understand why, and, you know, and, we, start, and, and we start getting ourselves worked up over why it's not happening. And, of course, the, the key thing is to be in the Word, to be sitting at Jesus' feet. And, of course, you know, meanwhile, back in the lounge room, Mary's, you know, just absolutely riveted by what Jesus is talking about. She's taking notes. Most importantly, she's giving her attention to the Word of God and ignoring the signs from Martha, who's standing over the side. Mary, come, come and help me. Dishes, get the set the table, you know. And, uh, and in the, she's so worked up about it that she interrupts Jesus while he's preaching. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine being a distraction to the word of God going out to God's people? I can't imagine ever being guilty of that. I don't want to be a distraction to God's word going out into people's lives and hearts. I think we all need to have that respect and honour for the word of God. Being attentive to the word of God is a pattern that we must develop. Amen. Look what it says in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Say one thing. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part. And Mary has chosen that good part. In other words, it was her decision to be sitting there receiving the word, down on the front row in the lounge room, sitting at Jesus' feet. And look what he says. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, there is no point where that is not going to be her job, is to sit under the word. And the truth, well, what was he saying is, Martha, it's your job too. Sit under the word. Oh, we'll all help later with the, with the food and the catering and the 80 or so people that are sitting there needing to hear the word, uh, needing to be fed. But because it's, you know, when you have to see it's because it's, it's getting our faith out working. And we look carefully, we'll see that it is a choice. And uh, the truth that, you know, that you failed to hear and do, the truth that was preached the Sunday you didn't go to church, that truth won't bring you a breakthrough. That truth is never going to bring a breakthrough because you weren't here to receive it. You weren't giving attention to it. The word of God that you never gave attention to is not going to bring a breakthrough because, you know, or cause you to overcome or bring you a victory. And of course, it's not rocket science. If you didn't get it, if it didn't get in, didn't get into your heart, guess what? You won't be able to walk in it. The first truth that we must take on board on the subject of faith is that faith comes by hearing. 
by hearing. That's how it's formed. That's how it's generated. Faith has its origin in the word of God. Not by a lovely saying found in your feed on Facebook that maybe validates your feelings. Okay? It doesn't come that way. Faith never comes that way. So watch what you're giving attention to. We cannot leave the teachings of Jesus. We cannot fail in giving attention to the word of God and expect breakthrough. You know, the breakthrough that we need is going to come by hearing God's word and doing God's word. And I I started out this message by saying that the storms of life come to us all, but it is our connection to the word of God, the promise of God, that will make the difference when the storms of life come. Last scripture. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Matthew chapter... There we go. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 to 26, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that boat, I mean on that house, and it did not fail for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and great was its fall. Amen? And it fell and great was its fall. Two guys, two houses, two storms, but there is a different outcome. And we have to see what the different outcome. Both of them had the same chance to build their house on the word of God. One did and one didn't. Just that simple. And the test that proved the difference between the two uh, of, of those who heard the word, okay, was the storm. So here comes the storm. It's here to test us. What are we going to do? We're going to turn around. Captain says, no, it's going to capsize if you turn around. So you've got to keep going. You know, we either need to keep our faith out working in the paddock or we bring it in through our unbelief or our bad confession or giving up. Say, oh, you just come on now. It's okay. I'll do that work, you know, and we wear the consequence. And God's given faith like a servant to go out and work for us. The storms of life come to us all. Someone says, you better not confess that. <laughs> but the truth is, the storms of life. I've had storms, being here in, in Broome, I've had storms come. They say, what happened? Well, we overcame them, you know. And you've probably got storms going on as well. But I'm telling you now, you can stop the, the, the outcome that you didn't want. You can stop it by finding the promise in the word of God and starting to say what God says, starting to believe for that outcome. We get ourselves ready by building our lives on the rock of hearing God's word and doing God's word. And there's no, don't, don't mistake me today. Doing God's word in the context of this passage is speaking it and saying what he says, agreeing with it, aligning your life with what the word of God says, no matter how it looks, no matter how long it takes. Let's be like Mary who was sitting at Jesus' feet, giving attention to the word. Let's be the people who by faith and patience inherit the promises of God and are able, like Jesus, to even sleep in the storm. 
Amen? Because we're so rested. Like some of you this morning. Amen? Just restful, sitting under the word. And, uh, but, you know, the minute we get up from out of here and when by the time we get to our car, we need to know what scripture it is that we're standing on for the difficulty that we're facing. What scripture is it? Make sure by the time you get home that you haven't forgotten to do the word. Find the scripture and speak it out. You know, start to say what he says. Because that's how he's designed us to overcome, is to have our faith out there working. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't we... Um, amen. Why don't...